skyrocketing COVID infections and delayed surgeries. But nothing stronger than saying that we have to prepare for January by uh, delaying surgeries. Where some British Columbians are going instead. Winter weather warning. Check in on our friends and neighbors who we know are living by themselves. What the summer heat dome can teach us about surviving the coming cold snap. And a salmon rescue operation. Big female coho, she's still in beautiful condition. How they're saving fish still trapped in flooded fields. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We're going to start with the staggering jump in COVID case numbers since Omicron showed up in BC. For the second straight day, BC set another new record of single day cases. We have 2,046 new cases, surpassing yesterday's record total by 518. And sadly, there have been another, or there is one other, COVID-related death in the last day, this time in the Island Health region. 195 people are in hospital. That's an increase of eight. And 75 patients are in the ICU. We have more than 8,700 active cases. And 89% of eligible people 12 and older have now received two vaccine doses. BC's alarming numbers so far pale in comparison to what's happening in eastern Canada with nearly 9,400 daily infections confirmed in Quebec. That comes with a staggering positivity rate of nearly 18%. In Montreal, a state of emergency has been declared. And Ontario is reporting its largest single-day case count since the pandemic began. 5,790 new infections have been reported today. The previous record was mid-April when the province reported more than 4,800. Ontario's test positivity rate is 16%. So let's bring in Keith Baldry now with more on BC's numbers. The bad news there, Keith, is obvious. Are there any reasons for optimism here in BC? Well, it's not all bad news. There are different indicators, not just daily case numbers. There's hospitalizations, ICUs, and deaths that uh, tell an important story. And it's basically the ups and downs of COVID-19 in BC. So our daily case numbers have absolutely exploded. We're now at more than almost 1,200 cases a day. Uh, that's up from just 345 just a few week, a couple of weeks ago on December 8th, a 240% increase. But, and here's some of the good news, weekly hospital cases continue to decline from 236 a week in mid-November. November to 113 in mid-December. Uh, and the same is true with our ICU cases. They're declining as well, not by the same much as hospitals, but still encouraging from 55 down to 34 in mid-December. But our, our positivity rate continues to soar, just like what we're seeing in Ontario and Quebec, where now this is a seven-day rolling average of 3% on December 8th to the current 7.5% province-wide. But I can tell you in Vancouver Coastal, it's approaching 10% as it is in Vancouver Island. On one day, you heard the numbers associated with Ontario, Vancouver uh, Coastal was 10 testing at 13% positive, which is why we're seeing huge number of cases in the North Shore, the west side of Vancouver, and the Vancouver uh, West End. Uh, and all, this, all these numbers, these staggering numbers that take people's breath away is a big reason why uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix are holding an unprecedented uh, or sort of un, previously unscheduled news conference, sorry, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll be broadcasting that live on BC1. No new health measures being announced or anything like that. It's basically to give everyone a sense of how much testing is going on. 
uh, how much uh, vaccinations are occurring, and to get everyone at sort of a calming sense of nerves here, because the numbers are, we're seeing are literally going up by, by hundreds a day, and will continue to go up hundreds a day uh, in the days ahead. We don't know what the end site is. Well, again, that news conference tomorrow, 10 a.m., Health Minister Adrian Dixon, Dr. Bonnie Henry, live on BC1. All right, we'll be there for it for sure. Thanks very much, Keith. Happening, of course, just as everybody tries to get together for the holidays. Now, the B.C. government is offering a one-time grant of up to $10,000 to help businesses that were forced to close under the latest public health order. However, applications won't open for a couple of weeks. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, the program might be too little too late for the thousands of businesses forced to lock their doors. Six minutes in. The endorphin rush has long since passed from Wednesday's final gym classes of 2021. Thursday, the provincial government tried to ease the pain of gym owners, announcing new supports for businesses closed by the new Omicron health orders. It's not even close. This is, you know, a, a very small amount in the grand scheme of things. The B.C. government has made up to $10,000 available for any businesses shut down because of the health order. The grants, which need not be paid back, range from $1,000 for businesses with no employees to $10,000 for businesses with more than 100 people working. The application process will rely on what's already in place from last spring's circuit breaker, businesses will be able to apply in the new year. For example, just gyms alone, about 1,100 of them have already accessed uh, either the small and medium-sized grant program or the circuit breaker program. Uh, they will be streamlined uh, because we've got a lot of their information, so they'll be able to get money much quicker. Two. According to the government, the program will cost taxpayers in the range of $10 million and will be used to complement the federal government's support for workers, which was announced Wednesday. Critics say this plan comes as too little, too late. I would urge the government to go back to the drawing board on this. What would be prudent is if uh, uh, Minister Kellen actually, uh, for once, delivered supports to small businesses in a timely fashion. The jobs minister did leave the door open for the program to be extended and more money to be made available if the health measures stretch out past the end of January. But it may not matter. Businesses that have been barely hanging on have now had the rug pulled out from underneath them two years in a row. At the time of year, they count on most to make ends meet. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Starting in the new year, the province will be postponing up to 3,500 non-urgent scheduled surgeries every week in an effort to protect hospitals from what could be an Omicron surge. Nithu Garcha has more on the impact of patients and why one woman is looking outside of Canada to relieve the pain that's put her life on hold. It's all two seconds in. Lauren Swan loves being outdoors. Going hiking and camping and backcountry skiing. Adventures, the likes of which she can only now experience through these visuals. I went from being on one medication to being on six. Um, and even that's not enough to kind of keep my daily pain tolerable. After three years of unexplained pain, the 26-year-old Burnaby woman says she was diagnosed with a degenerative disc condition this past March, and the resulting daily nerve pain is debilitating. My entire life is on hold at the age of 26. I wasn't even a year into starting my career. It's kind of turned my life upside down. And hanging in the balance of a healthcare system stretched too thin to help the acute respiratory therapist and adaptive sport volunteer who's in too much pain to work. 
Her disc replacement surgery was slated for the summer, bumped to September, then December, and now the earliest is June of next year. But nearly two years into the pandemic, the province is once again postponing scheduled non-urgent surgeries as of January 4th. Omicron is very, very serious. Uh, that we anticipate a large number of cases and and that we need to have the hospital capacity available. This 36-year-old Vancouver Island mother of two has Lynch syndrome, increasing the chances of certain cancers. Her scheduled hysterectomy was cancelled in May. She's now choosing to wait until the pandemic uncertainty clears. What is the reality of this going to be cancelled again? And he said there's a high chance. So at this point, I haven't rescheduled. Um, I'm doing yearly tests to make sure that there's no cancer. And so far, so good. Lauren has also found another way, raising funds to head to France in February for the spinal surgery, hoping her story resonates with anyone refusing to get vaccinated or skirting the COVID safety rules. They're doing a lot more harm than they realize. And serves as a reminder, the ripple effects are real. Nitu Garcha, Global News. Well, the forecast is calling for some very intense winter weather, well below the temperatures we're used to at this time of year. Officials are already urging people to check in on elderly friends and neighbors. And as Ted Chernecki tells us, it's a lesson learned from another deadly weather event earlier this year. It might seem odd to start a story about extreme cold with this past summer's other extreme, the so-called heat dome. But there are lessons to be learned when hundreds of people die. We never experienced those temperatures. And I think what happened was uh, we underappreciated the degree to which, you know, even two degrees more in that temperature tipped some of those uh, home environments over from uncomfortable to lethal. Underappreciate a weather warning these days and you do so at your own peril. New extremes in weather are happening all over the world, and while the incoming Arctic air isn't a big deal for most of the rest of Canada, it can be here, because we're not prepared. Seniors are especially vulnerable. Seniors living by themselves can be really susceptible to cold and hot weather events. So it's really um, you know, important that we check in on our friends and neighbours who we know are living by themselves that may not be you know, able to clear their sidewalks, uh, their driveways uh, of ice and snow because, you know, they uh, are often dealing with mobility issues anyway. And when we get severe weather like this, uh, it's all that much harder. And perhaps because of the weather, we have more homelessness here on the soon-to-be-not-so-warm West Coast. And this winter, the province is providing more than 1,900 temporary shelter spaces and nearly 360 extreme weather shelter spaces to keep people experiencing homelessness safe. That's a 25% increase in the numbers of shelters over last year. And to cap it all off, we have a pandemic and an aggressive variant. But senior advocates stress that it's still important to visit the elderly, especially at this time of the year and in these weather conditions. Visit safely, but those visits are very important for the mental health of, uh, of our vulnerable friends and relatives. Ted Chernacki, Global News. 
All right, for more on the likelihood of what's going to be a white, likely, and very cold Christmas, here's Kasia Badurke in for Christy Gordon tonight. Uh, what's that holiday forecast telling us? Oh, boy. Well, we already have the classic setup in place already, Chris. We've got high-pressure ridge and Arctic high in the northeast of the province, and that's going to be interacting with this low that's circulating offshore, the moisture with that, with these cold temperatures. You can see there's a clockwise motion around this Arctic high, and that's what's dragging down that Arctic, that cold, sharp air mass interacting with that moisture you've got snow and it could be over the next several days so we do have special weather statements in place for much of the south coast and the gray that's warning of the snowfall and the cold conditions that's going to be from tonight through your boxing day in the white that's a snowfall warning that's more so imminent east vancouver island could pick up anywhere between five and ten centimeters of snow that's just for tonight now coming up in your main weather we'll tell you how cold it's going to be getting across the province and also how much snow we are anticipating from region to region chris all right thank you cash we'll check in Shortly, in the meantime, a lot of people across the province are trying to stay warm and carbon monoxide poisoning is suspected in the sudden death of a 63-year-old Kelowna man. RCMP were asked to go to a trailer on Lougheed Road to conduct a wellness check on Tuesday. That's where they found the man's body inside. There was a propane stove that was still burning and it appears the man may have been using it to keep warm, the BC Coroner Service is investigating, but a reminder not to use those appliances indoors. The homeless in the interior will be particularly vulnerable during the upcoming cold snap. As Taya Fast reports, support services in the Okanagan are working around the clock trying to keep everybody safe and warm. An extreme cold snap is on the way for the Okanagan and service providers are working to keep the community's most vulnerable people warm. We are meeting daily, ensuring that our intake processes are uh, working in our favour and that we can make sure that if we have any empty beds in shelters in town, we're making sure that those get filled up. In the central Okanagan, temperatures are expected to be well in the negative double digits, according to Environment Canada. When we're dipping down into, you know, sub minus 10 and below 10, temperatures, it actually becomes a, a serious question of life, life or limb. Uh, and so people can be, their health is seriously at risk. Meanwhile, in the South Okanagan, the city of Penticton is working with local agencies to compile a list of all the services available. The information will be handed out to agencies, their clients and staff. So right now we're really pushing that there are services open, available, that are warm and welcoming uh, to all individuals, um, should someone need a, a warm place to go. The city of Penticton added they are prepared to open more spaces if necessary as temperatures drop. The shelter at 1706 Main Street uh, is Penticton's uh, main location uh, for homelessness services. Um, and the city uh, has worked with BC Housing and PDSEL to let them know that if they need to expand their capacity uh, beyond what it normally is, uh, they're more than welcome to do that. Concerns are also being raised surrounding what people will do to try and stay warm. We have people starting fires. We have uh, people who are using uh, kerosene and different camp stoves in tents and in different small confined spaces. And so carbon monoxide poisoning becomes a real threat as well, as well as just the fire itself can do damage to them, their structure or any structures they might be around. The cold weather has advocates urging the community to show compassion. You might see more people finding their way their way inside, uh, and we just ask that you be non-judgmental, that you be empathetic and compassionate. They're just trying to stay warm, and they have a right to those space just as you do. TFS Global News, Penticton. A serious crash has closed a busy section of Highway 99 through Surrey for several hours. 
It happened just after 1 p.m. in the southbound lanes of the highway at 32nd Avenue. Two vehicles were involved. One driver was rushed to hospital in critical condition. The other suffered what are being called non-life-threatening injuries. The Surrey RCMP criminal collision investigation team is on scene, and the road is expected to be closed for some time. So they want you to check your dash cams for any relevant video, and if you find some, contact police. The first court appearance for the suspect in a baffling case. What happened to Naomi Onatera? Her husband has been charged after investigators spent weeks digging in their yard. What happened in court next on the News Hour? A sign of the times, the Vancouver Hotel dropping the presidential name it once felt was a selling feature. That's later. And Abbotsford police make an arrest in a crime that was definitely hitting people when they were down. That's coming up as well. Right now, though, the husband of Naomi Onatera, who was reported missing, made a brief court appearance and will remain in custody over the holidays. Obnus Regis was arrested earlier this month and is now facing two charges in relation to his wife's death. Romina Dea has the latest. Regis made his second court appearance in Surrey Provincial Court Thursday, and once again, the matter was stood down. Regis appeared via video. The 49-year-old was arrested last Friday. Regis has been charged with one count of manslaughter and one count of indignity to human remains in connection to the death of his wife, Naomi Onatera. The Langley school teacher and mother vanished at the end of August. The missing persons case taken over by IHIT in September when homicide investigators spent more than a week gathering evidence at the family's home. Human remains ultimately uncovered, but it's unclear if the remains were found on Onatera's property. I am unable to confirm that right now, but our searches are ongoing and we have several places to look. It is still early days in the court process. A trial date has not been set. Regis remains in custody. His next court appearance is January 11th. Romina Dea, Global News. Police on Vancouver Island are investigating random incidents where women were shot with a pellet gun. In all, four women have been shot in recent days. On Tuesday morning at 10.15, a woman was shot as she stood at an intersection in Langford. She went to hospital to get a pellet removed from her face. Ten minutes later, a second woman was also shot in Colwood. In each case, police say the shots came from a gray sedan. This is a very serious incident, uh, as you can uh, understand. In, in one instance, one of the female victims had to have a pellet dislodged from her face. Uh, very significant injury, however not life-threatening. This could have been a lot much worse. Uh, if the pellet would have hit like a couple inches higher, then she could have lost an eye easily. On Sunday, a vehicle with the same description stopped in front of a woman in downtown Victoria. One of the four Caucasian men inside shot her with a pellet gun. Minutes later, they did it again to another woman. A desperate plea this holiday season from the family of a woman in the Comox Valley who's been missing for more than six months. We missed you a lot. Please get in touch with somebody. CMP are renewing their call for information that might lead to answers in the disappearance of Amy Guthrie. The 30-year-old was last seen in Courtney on June 2nd. She's described as 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing about 130 pounds, with brown hair and hazel eyes. 
The Special Victims and Major Crimes Unit have been on the case, examining phone records, banking records, social media history, and they sought assistance from other police services and also interviewed multiple potential witnesses. Her mother, Karen Guthrie, says her family won't stop looking until she's found. It's been a very, very long time that we haven't seen Amy. Don't know where she is and hoping everything is okay. If she could just reach out to somebody, anybody, let us know that she's all right. It'd be very much appreciated. Up next, saving stranded salmon. The unusual rescue operation after flooding on the Sumas Prairie. And even though the snow is piling up already at this popular ski resort, why skiers can't take full advantage. Crews are still on scene to a crash investigation here in Surrey and southbound Highway 99 is blocked up 152nd Street. You're being forced to take the 32nd Avenue exit. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 99 in Surrey. A 29-year-old Chilliwack man has been arrested and charged with four counts of break and enter after property thefts were reported in Sumas Prairie following those devastating floods in Abbotsford. Abbotsford police say the crimes took place in the middle of December when several families who were dealing with damage and decimation to their properties and farms. Andrew Charpentier was taken into custody Wednesday after the Abbotsford Forensic Identification Section and flood response officers worked around the clock to find the suspect. Police say various stolen property has been recovered and returned. Conservationists and Fraser Valley Indigenous communities are working together to save spawning salmon trapped by last month's extreme flooding. Paul Johnson has more on the critical coho rescue mission in the farm fields of Abbotsford. Prior to being drained in 1920, this would have been the, the western edge of Sumas Lake. And with the recent floods we had, of course, it all filled with water. We're all too familiar now with what can happen in the Fraser Valley after a massive rainstorm. Damage to homes and farms would be felt for years. But another consequence was this. And so we were wondering uh, whether there's fish trapped in these ponds. The Pacific Salmon Foundation and the Sumas and Stolo First Nations put together a crew to search for any of the coho salmon that were spawning at the time of the flood and may have gotten trapped as the water receded. They were surprised by what they found. Another male. These are our most endangered species of coals, right? So we can save a few of them there. Many of the salmon runs on the Fraser River have been in decline for years. And one of the main reasons is habitat loss. Salmon advocates are saying that as we build back from the floods, now is an opportunity to do so in a way that's optimal for wild salmon. I was shocked. Oh, I was shocked that they were there, but even more so I was shocked that they were in pristine condition. Female coho, full of eggs. Where they expected they might find small juveniles, they found adults ready to spawn. So they helped them do just that. A short drive away is the Sumas River those fish were headed for. So thanks to a handful of committed humans, some of those coho have made it. Big female coho, and she's still in beautiful condition. That one's a male. They can go 
lay some eggs together. <laughs> Paul Johnson, Global News. BC's Chinese-Canadian community is giving a major financial boost to the province's flood recovery effort. The Vancouver Chinese Benevolent Association is among the organizations presenting checks worth a total of more than $400,000 to the Canadian Red Cross today. Many Chinese-Canadian groups raised the money for flood and disaster relief after November storms hammered B.C. The provincial and federal governments are matching the funds, boosting the donation to $1.2 million. Through the money that's donated, it will add to the financial resources that the Canadian Red Cross are able to provide to many of the people who suffer in this once-in-a-century disaster. The Chinese-Canadian community has always been a part of the community, and throughout many of the disasters in the past, the Canadian Red Cross has been very uh, lucky to have worked with the Chinese-Canadian community. Although Vancouver's Chinatown has been hard hit during the pandemic, Chinese-Canadian community members across the region really stepped up to donate to the We Love BC flood relief campaign. And it's in times of crisis that British Columbians really do come out to help. So Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM 730 and Global Okanagan are all partnering for BC Together in support of BC flood relief. If you haven't already, visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to check out the vetted and qualified groups stepping up to help out and donate to an organization of your choice. Still ahead, the beginning of what's really the Christmas crush. This is our first trip to the mall. We've done everything else online. The shifting habits of shoppers trying to find those last-minute deals. And the missing piece of the puzzle for entrepreneurs forced to pivot during the pandemic. Good evening. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel. You've got two lanes north and south and no delays in either direction. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. It's the end of a short-lived era. The Trump name is no longer affixed to one of Vancouver's tallest buildings. Crews have now removed all the Trump branding on the outside of the 63-story tower that had been known as the Trump International Hotel and Tower Vancouver when it opened in 2017. The hotel was shuttered in 2020. The Holborn Group, which owns the property, is planning to reopen it next year as the Paradox Hotel, part of a new international luxury chain. The day before Christmas Eve would normally be a busy one for shoppers who procrastinate, but this year the holiday rush is a little slower than usual. Krista Dow has more on the supply chain impact and the new research that shows our shopping patterns are shifting. Thank you. Just the season of the last-minute shopping rush. Yep, let's go. This is behind, but uh, we'll get it done, yeah. Thank you so much. Lineups returning here at the MacArthur Glen Outlet Mall. And a steady stream of shoppers here at Coquitlam Centre. But on one of the busiest shopping days of the year, it's much more muted compared to previous years. 
with many shoppers checking out online instead. This is our first trip to the mall. We've done everything else online. There's been a couple like uh, inventory like that I haven't found that's like I can find online rather than like in the stores. The supply chain fractured even further by the devastating flooding in BC and coupled with low stock due to the pandemic, it's a recipe for major disruption. Supply shortages are worse uh, uh, this year than they were last year. I mean, it's harder to find what you need, but more importantly, uh, prices are higher. Inflation is is much higher in Canada. It's uh, According to a new report by Leisure and Dig360, Canadian shopping habits have shifted, with about 29% of shoppers planning to reduce spending on holiday gifts. 40% say they're seeing higher prices, and 34% have already bought items during Black Friday. Most people were really anticipating spending less this year. Shopping has not been enjoyable. The joy of it is kind of gone. It's more of a pragmatic approach. So whether your approach is more pragmatic this holiday season... Okay, we'll just be giving gift cards this year, and uh, that's pretty much it. Or more stressful... Got to send this one back east, so uh, a little bit, little behind. No, you're not alone. Good luck finding stuff, because everybody's doing last-minute Christmas shopping. Krista Dow, Global News. The rapid rise in COVID-19 cases across B.C. is forcing the province to accelerate its booster program. But in the Okanagan, where Interior Health is preparing to administer thousands of the vaccines, the health region is facing a worker shortage that could slow things down. Darian Matassa-Fung has more. We are seeing demand for vaccination, which is something that we are um, really happy about. As daily COVID-19 cases continue to rise province-wide, Interior Health has issued a public service announcement. IH is seeking qualified healthcare workers to help provide immunizations and to help provide support at immunization clinics throughout the region. Now that can be anyone that's a qualified healthcare worker, which does include retired nurses, midwives, nursing students, and even chiropractors. This call for these healthcare providers is a timely one as the province prepares to roll out its booster shot program in the new year. We are trying to get as many uh, doses of vaccine as possible. Uh, the booster doses that uh, the call out for uh, individuals who are eligible, it's going to be expanded in January to anybody who is older than 18 years of age. Interior Health says it's important that people prioritize getting their booster as Omicron continues to spread quickly throughout the province. Officials are expecting an increase in hospitalizations. Every time we've seen an increase in the number of cases that is followed a couple of weeks later with an increase in the number of hospitalizations. So if that holds true with Omicron, then we can expect to see uh, hospitalizations and that puts a significant burden on our health authority. Provincial officials have accelerated the booster shot program as they say evidence shows two vaccine doses are not enough to stop Omicron infection. However, the vaccines still substantially reduce the risk of hospitalization and serious illness. The province is also expanding vaccination capacity by using pharmacies and opening more local clinics. Darian Matasafung, Global News. Coming up, solving a pandemic puzzle. We're going to send one off to Switzerland later today. Uh, we've sent them off to the Emirates. How a group of laid-off workers found the perfect fit to get back into the workforce. But first, the BC Ski Resort with plenty of snow, but having trouble getting everyone up to the top to enjoy it. 
fire that's changed holiday plans. Next on the News Hour. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A suspicious fire is having a devastating impact on a BC ski resort during what should be the busiest weeks of the season. One day after Kimberley Alpine Resort opened for the season, the fire damaged the main chairlift, putting it out of commission. Jordan Armstrong reports. Kimberley is a little slice of Bavaria in the BC Rockies. The snow is powdery perfect. The skiers eager to go. But there's a big problem with what you might call the economic engine here. The North Star Quad, the main chairlift, is closed. For the second year in a row, it has been sidelined by misfortune. Early morning Saturday, December 18th, just after 3 a.m., Kimberly RCP were contacted after a, full, a fire at the quad lift. And the resort had only just opened on the 17th, so the day before. The timing of this blaze makes it suspicious. The flames tore through the control shack at the top terminal, rendering the chairlift inoperable indefinitely. Obviously, it impacts the economy and people's desire to travel here. This couple just arrived from the UK with season's passes to the resort. It's really tragic that it's happened to the ski hill and uh, they should be ashamed of themselves, whoever's done it. A year ago, the same quad chair was closed by mechanical problems for two weeks. It is the only link from the village to the mountaintop. Aside from the learner's area, anyone who wants to ski now has to hike up to 40 minutes to reach the other lifts on the backside of the resort. We're also going to bring in some snowcats, and those snowcats will start up uh, to assist the people, primarily the families or people that would need the lift. Now, the chairlift fire isn't the only suspicious fire under investigation in the small community. Three days earlier, the Kimberley Gymnastics Club was gutted by flames. The mayor, well aware, the local rumor mill is in overdrive, but... The RCMP have uh, said early on they ruled out any connection between the two fires, so they are being investigated independently. Despite the numerous setbacks, the mayor says his outlook remains positive because he's watched his community come together to help. The fact remains we are open. Uh, the ski conditions are absolutely spectacular. A mountain town which has the snow, it just needs a bit of luck. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Such a good spot and good to see the snow falling like crazy there. We're going to get more of that mm -hmm. in places maybe that don't get so much of it too. Here's Kasia with the details. If you've been hoping for a white Christmas, you got it. Most of us across uh, the south coast, a very festive background here, a very colorful harbour centre. Three degrees at this point. Through the overnight hours, we're anticipating some wet snow to push in due to a low that's spinning offshore. Temperatures down to one, back up to three. Wet snow in the morning tapers to just a chance of rain in the afternoon, but the Fraser Valley could still hang on to periods of light snow, two to four centimetres through the day tomorrow. But temperatures are about to get super Super cold. We're talking about dangerous wind chill values across the northern flank of the province. And even for us in Metro Vancouver, we're not used to these kind of overnight lows in the minus mid-teens. It's also going to be cold during daytime hours as well. Parts of the valley will be at minus 8 on Sunday and Monday. Now let's talk about that snowfall forecast. Heaviest amounts now. This is from tonight through your Boxing Day. Heaviest amounts at this point. It looks like it's going to be the southeast of Metro Vancouver. So Delta, Surrey, Langley, even through the Fraser Valley. 
Valley, Abbotsford, upwards of 15 centimeters is possible. Also, the valley 10 to 20 centimeters. Why? Because that's where the Arctic outflow winds are expected to impact the most. Across the north, Really, virtually no snow. It's all about the cold temperatures up there across the southern half of the province. We're looking at anywhere between 10 and even 40 centimeters of snow, depending on where you are. That's just a ballpark number. So special weather statements in place for the south coast. In the white, though, that's a snowfall warning for the east uh, Vancouver Island, 5 to 10 centimeters, as is the case for higher elevation highways across the southern interior. And that's your Arctic outflow warning now expanded to include the north coast as well as the central coast. It's going to be feeling like the minus 20 even minus 30s for inland sections. So it will be windy tomorrow through the day, as you can see, but very cold and very sunny, feeling much colder than those values. It's just periods of uh, snow for the southeast of the province and a chance of flurries for the Okanagan. It looks like we're losing something here, but uh, in your long range, we're looking at colder conditions. Are you seeing that, by the way, for the south coast? Okay, super. Okay, so tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be tapering, uh, the precipitation will be tapering off. Some of us will even be seeing some sunshine. And there is your long range for Metro Vancouver. We also have a Centra Windows weather window to tell you about from Kamloops. A very calm, cold, colorful view. Thanks to Shelby for this one. Beautiful shot. Thanks very much, Kasia. All right, Squire is here now with a look ahead to sports. Yes. You got Squire. Well, um, Canada has some medal-contending bobsledders heading to the Winter Olympics. Starting block from Canada, Christine De Bruyne. And that's one of them, Christine De Bruyne. She is uh, definitely one of the Canadians expected to medal in 2022. All right, we'll get more in sports and how all the pieces are coming together for a Canadian puzzle company thriving during the pandemic. Squires here. Um, Canucks Nation lost a a very well-loved former coach. That is true. Bob McCammon. If you ever met Bob McCammon, he's one of those guys you can't forget. He was funny. He was engaging. He was the Canucks head coach from 1987 to 1991. He died early this morning at the age of 80. He had been dealing with the effects of dementia. McCammon also coached the Flyers a couple of times, and he worked on the bench for the Oilers. He also won a few Stanley Cups in the front office of the Oilers and the Red Wings. As we said, great sense of humor and lived in Vancouver when he retired from the NHL. Um, He was Pat McCammon to make that Pat Quinn's coach when he first became Vancouver's GM in 87. McCammon was the runner-up for Coach of the Year with the Canucks in 88-89. That was the year Vancouver nearly upset Calgary in the first round, the same year the Flames won the Cup. He basically ran the Canucks during their transition phase into one of the best teams in the mid-90s, helping develop a lot of the key players for those teams. All right, this is an exhibition game between Canada and Russia, World Juniors. Port Moody's Ken Johnson. His shot doesn't go in, but Mason McTavish, who began the season with Anaheim, knocks it in. And then Justin Sorta for the Vancouver Giants gets in on this goal by Ridley Gregg. And that's Ridley Gregg who's 2-0 for Canada. Russians give it away. McTavish. Ken Johnson, he had a good game. These two guys were dominating tonight. 
It was 4 nothing after one period. Second period, Mason McTavish. Look at this goal. Nice move. Calm, cool, collected, clever. All the C words. And then, got to show you one from Connor Bedard. Yep, speaking of patience, Connor Bedard, 6-4, the final. Canada plays the Czech Republic. Boxing Day opening game for Canada in the tournament. Well, the NHL might not be going to the Winter Olympics, but all the other athletes will be going. And for our bobsled team, there are medals to be had. Both our men's and women's teams have been standing on a good number of podiums during the bobsleigh World Cup season. Seven hundreds off the lead after the first of our two heats today. This could go either way. Christine De Bruyne and Kristen Bujnowski have become Canada's top women's bobsled team thanks to a partnership that has really clicked ever since they were put together back in 2018. They won a bronze at the World Championships in Whistler just a year later and have improved steadily since. The skill level keeps rising, but it's been that close relationship based on honesty and trust that has been a difference maker. I think it's easy to be a good teammate when things are going well. It's really hard and brings you closer together when things aren't going well. And it's like, hey, I'm going to stick it out with you even through the bad races. And you start to trust each other more and also you try start to work harder for each other. De Bruyne and Bujnowski have three bronze medals and a fourth in the five World Cup races this season. And De Bruyne won her first ever World Cup gold in the new Monobob competition earlier this month. Those extra rides down those icy tracks just help improve her as a driver. And I've seen all different types of ice. So then again, it's choosing the right equipment. Um, and that just, that really helps. I've really seen that kind of from the, the less experienced pilots to, to the more experienced pilots. We're just able to just switch it on a lot quicker. When two-time Olympic champion Kaylee Humphreys decided to step away from Team Canada and compete for the United States, many thought our bobsled results would suffer, but that has not been the case. What would our team be like? if Keeley was still here. And I think that it it's allowed for, I'm not saying we wouldn't have, Christine wouldn't be successful, Cynthia wouldn't be successful, but I think it's made way for other people to really shine. And they're hoping they can land a shiny medal in Beijing. They're certainly a contender after putting together their best season ever. Like Christine's always, obviously always been a great driver, but then our push has improved our equipment preparations improved and how we prepare for a race is improved. So it's really cool to see all these things that we plan for coming together. It's a lot of fun. You know, that's just the best way I can describe it. It's just, you know, we're just really enjoying every moment of it and just trying to really, yeah, live life. Live life as much as we can right now. It's fun. Wow. Jimmy, Jimmy, I was going to say Jimmy G or Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Jimmy G. Let's see what he can do here for the 49ers against the Titans tonight. There's Debo Samuel. That, that Almost a touchdown. That fumble does not count because he was already down. That sets up this touchdown by Jeff Wilson, Jr. Okay, now Jimmy G is Jimmy INT. Going to the end zone, picked off. But San Francisco does lead 10-0 at halftime. All right, thanks very much, Squire. When we come back after the pandemic cost them their jobs, a group of Calgary entrepreneurs solved that puzzle. That's coming up next.
pandemic is forcing a lot of people to make big career changes. For some, it's been a pandemic pivot where all of the pieces are starting to fall into place. Gil Tucker reports. The laser meets the wood and the magic begins. And the image is called bursting bloom, so it's all things floral. Another puzzle on the go. We'll check out the finished product in a minute, but first, let's meet the man running the machine. I'm trained as a geologist, and I've had a 20-year career in oil and gas. I was laid off uh, almost a year ago now. When this opportunity came up, I jumped at it. Teaming up with his old friend, Jason Robillard. We work with a variety of Canadian artists, and what I do is I design a puzzle pattern that reflects the theme of their art. And so I'll include whimsical people, animals, objects, symbols that relate to that theme. Prior to puzzle making, I was an environmental engineer and worked in, in the oil field. And I was a big puzzle fan and thought I'd uh, throw my hat in the ring. Throwing his hat in too, another longtime pal. I used to be a partner in a home building company. As soon as the pandemic hit, it essentially closed us down. It was uh, perfect timing to jump into this. Enjoying growing demand as puzzles have taken off during the pandemic. Selling locally at their storefront and at markets and online. Off to Switzerland later today. Uh, we've sent them off to the Emirates. We've been sending them to Australia. So all over the world. Helping out closer to home. Promoting mental health by donating puzzles to nurses and to families with sick kids staying at the Ronald McDonald House. To be able to supply a little something that might give some joy to somebody that's in a tough time, I think that's a great idea. So far creating 20 different puzzles. From just over 100 pieces to about 900 pieces. Piecing together a bright future for themselves. A friend of mine calls me the puzzler. <laughs> Business is blooming. Bill Tucker, Global News. You might want to stay inside and do a puzzle or two with the weather that's coming. Last word to you, Kasia, before we go. Oh boy, well, wet snow pushes in through the overnight, and we do have snow in the forecast for your Christmas Day and on your Sunday as well. And it's going to get cold, as you can see. All right, bundle up for sure. That's it for me until after Christmas. So from all of us here at Global BC, Merry Christmas. Thanks a lot for watching, and have a great night.